You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. New from Moultrie Mobile, the Feed Hub offers first-of-its-kind cellular connection and control for nearly any spin cast feeder on the market. When used with the Moultrie Mobile app, you can monitor feed and battery levels, run feeders on demand, receive alerts when feeders are clogged, and remotely adjust feeding times. The Feed Hub is ideal for anyone who maintains feeders. Remove the guesswork and save time by planning feeder maintenance before you drive to your hunting property. For more information, visit MoultrieMobile.com. Outdoor Edge knows that providing a freezer full of meat is part of the reason we all hunt. And what better way to bring it full circle than to process your own wild game? Outdoor Edge provides a full lineup of traditional and replaceable blade hunting knives and complete wild game processing kits to bring your wild game from the field to the freezer. Visit OutdoorEdge.com and at checkout, enter the discount code N-A-T-I-O-N-3-0 for 30% off. Transform the way you hunt with the all-new base cellular trail camera connected by the Moultrie Mobile app. Moultrie Mobile's industry-best app gives you complete control over your camera settings, up-to-the-minute updates from the field, and other interactive scouting tools on your smartphone or computer. Features like weather forecast, advanced species recognition, interactive maps, and a whole lot more. For more information and to make your purchase, visit www.moultriemobile.com. This is the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Vortex Optics. Well, I'm going to start this episode off with a giant holy shit. That is how my week has gone. Uh, It's been an absolute crazy week, and I'm going to tell you why. (laughs) Um, I'm laughing now because I don't know if it's still like a little bit of the nerves um, or really, I didn't think this out of how I was going to say this, but I was at the gym on Monday and I was working out and I do this fitness program and all of a sudden one of the trainers comes up to me and says, hey, um, somebody's here for you. It was one of my wife's friends uh, because I, you know, I didn't answer my phone when my wife tried to call me. Uh, because I wasn't, you know, I don't take my phone in there. And she says, Sarah has been in a car accident. And my heart just kind of like sunk. And I'm like, uh, is she okay? Uh, I don't know. Um, but she called me. So that right there led me, okay, she called, she made a phone call. She may be hurt, but so then I went into like calculation mode where it's like, okay, I call uh, someone to get my kids. I call my mom. She comes up to uh, take care of the kids while I go to the hospital. And I get there and, you know, I'm fast forwarding a whole bunch of things, but um, I get to the hospital. My wife's there and she tells me this, this story. And so I'm going to give you the very short version of this. There is a woman on the main interstate that runs in between the two, uh, I guess you want to call it bigger cities here in Eastern Iowa. And she was jumping in and out of traffic, completely crazy. And she, you know, from the sounds of it, she was trying to kill herself by jumping out in front of a vehicle. 
Well, I, maybe she said, maybe she had second thoughts. So she jumps a fence. She steals a landscaping truck and uh, tries to work the first one that she stole. She doesn't know how to work air brakes. So she gets out, steals another truck and takes off. Well, she is whipping down the highway, pulls into a, a road, finds out that's a dead end, turns around and runs a red light. And at 55 miles an hour, my wife just crushes this lady. Uh, she was heavily intoxicated amongst what I'm, what we're guessing, you know, there's no proof of this, but I, you know, you know, when you look at someone and you go, <laughs> they're messed up and, uh, you know, like she was 38, but looked 60 type of people. Uh, and you know, maybe this is just me passing a little bit of judgment, but, uh, it looked like she'd been living that lifestyle for a very long time. Anyway, um, she, just absolutely crushes the car and i and and my wife was able to force the driver's side door open kind of roll out of the car um by that time people had had come to help her and um and and 911 was called she got in the ambulance uh, car car is completely totaled and thank god that uh Thank God that I didn't have any children or my wife didn't have any children in the car at this time. The front seat was, the front driver's side seat was damaged. Um, if the kids were in the back seat and buckled up properly, which they always are, it's, uh, you know, probably some whiplash, probably some, some seatbelt burn, something like that probably would have happened. But for the most part, I think everybody uh, was, was going to be okay. Shout out Honda Pilot for uh, saving my wife's life. Pretty much, I mean, the car did exactly what it was supposed to do. Airbags went off, uh, multiple airbags went off, um, saved her from getting cut in the face, saved her from, you know, smashing the, the steering wheel. And uh, she, she, other than a broken ankle and like a really a couple of deep bruises on her chest and her uh, left leg, She's going to recover from this fully. She is a, a tough son of a bitch. And um, it's, but it's a scary incident. I don't know if there's anybody out there who's ever been in one of those incidents, um, whether on the good side of it, like we were, fortunately. You know, a second here, a second there, it could have gone any other way. Um, and so it makes you think, right? I, I, I just blessed that she's not hurt blessed that there's no kid there was no kids in the car um you know I, I i i would be lying to you if i said that i wasn't i didn't have anger in my heart for this other person who who decided that uh her decisions and herself she put herself above others and it caused injury and almost death i'll be completely honest with you my wife got straight up lucky um, and the, to walk away with the injuries that she had and man, um, this lady then goes to the hospital where she assaults staff, punches and kicks a whole bunch of people. She's fine, obviously. And so now she's facing like 13 years in jail potentially for, uh, th grand theft auto. I believe it would be, uh, she also uh, assault, uh, and you know, 
bodily harm with with a vehicle uh, while intoxicated. So all these, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure if those are all the, the right things, what they're called, but that's what happened. And so it has been a crazy week. Um, she is she is laid up. She's sore, uh, broken ankle, can't move around too much. So I've been playing nurse. Um, I've been, you know, moving the kids around. Thank God we have an excellent support group, uh, our family. And um, man, my mom came up. Her mom came up. Um, we have uh, her group of friends. So I want to shout out. I'm not going to name all of them, but uh, and they'll never hear this. But there's a, a girl named Kate. She organized a food, a food schedule or a food line, whatever. So. <laughs> Last night we had like some Mexican dish. Tonight we had meatloaf. Um, and then the rest of this week, we ha- are having her friends cook meals for us. Uh, and it, it's not to say that I couldn't do it because I do a lot of cooking. But what is crazy is that like that, that support group. And that's the, you know, when I talk about good vibes, that's the kind of shit that I'm talking about, man. Like the good vibes that you put out as a person in bad situations will come back to you. So I I feel my wife is a very good person. And so she lives a positive lifestyle. I live a positive lifestyle. And when negative hits our family, it's only received with more positivity. And all of her friends are proof of that. And she she's going to be okay. And we're having people help us out. Our neighbors across the street took the kids without a blink of an eye. And so we, we have this, this group of friends and family that I'm just really thankful for. And, uh, I'll be honest when I say, when I went the next day to pull all of the stuff, we had like some clothes and some blankets and some lawn chairs and, and, some things in the pilot or in in the the vehicle that I needed to get out. And I saw that and I just, man, I I had one of those come to Jesus moments where it was like you blink and you imagine your life without somebody. And that just doesn't work for me. And so, um, man, it's, uh, I don't want to think about it really, you know, uh, I wish I had this 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 written down what I what I'm about to say, but I, I you can't you can't. So anyway, I'm glad my wife is where she's at today, and that's up in the you know sleeping. All the kids are in bed right now, and so I'm having to do a lot of work in the evenings. <laughs> Tonight, like I feel like I deserve this heavy glass of crown royale tonight um so i'm gonna edit this episode i'm thankful i'm talking about those good vibes right and uh man we this episode is actually really 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 good episode um so i'm talking with a guy named carson shockey and he is a professional golfer and he actually played golf at the University of Iowa, which is not too far from where I live. Uh, he bounces back and forth between Arizona and Nebraska and Iowa. Um, so he's a professional golfer now. We talk, we talk a lot about golf, actually, and how it compares to archery and bow hunting, the strategy of, you know, 
looking at terrain and putting together a strategy for deer that live in this terrain or golf in a specific terrain feature. We talk about, um, you know, what kind of like, uh, you know, there's all these professional athletes out there that really like to hunt and fish, but their money comes first, right? They have to go make their money like um, professional football players or basketball players. And they're playing in October, November. So they have to put that aside I don't know if I could I could do that. Like I don't know if I could go play a sport. I'm sure I could if that money was good, right? But I don't know what I, what I would do. So uh, if I if I couldn't hunt fish, do all the things that I wanted to do throughout the year because I had something else keeping me from that. But uh, millions of dollars is also kind of a cool thing too. So um, it's a really good conversation, man. And I hope you guys enjoy it. Uh, the last thing I want to say about my wife's accident here is don't take any second for granted. Spend as much time as you can with your kids. Spend as much time uh, as you can with the people who make you happy, whether that's a friend, whether that is a parent, a brother or sister, an aunt and uncle, a grandparent, um, your wife, your children, anybody, because there's a chance that someone who's not you makes a decision and that decision could result in them not being here. And, and then you have to live your life with this regret and living. Trust me when I say regret is an awful poisonous thing that just weighs on you until you can learn to accept, accept it. And so don't regret like don't have any regrets live this positive life man i'm telling you i I know i sound like a hippie in a broken record but man i once i made the decision to kind of live life with a positive attitude um, a lot of things changed and so i feel that that same thought process and um, those expressions can change anybody so there's that but i do have to say uh, a huge shout out i'm not going to bore you guys with these big commercials and i apologize to the sponsors uh, of this podcast when I just run through it like this, but uh, I want to get to the good stuff. So I just want to send a huge shout out to Tethered. If you're looking for a saddle, go check out Tethered. If you're looking for some of the most badass broadheads on the market, go check out Wasp. Uh, if you're looking for a crossbow, go check out Excal- Excalibur crossbows. If you're looking for the best mobile app on the market, you need to check out Hunt Stand. Uh, if you're looking for in my opinion, the best uh, hunting optics or optics in general, go check out Vortex Optics. And if you're looking for one of the best trail cameras on the market, go check out ExodusOutdoorGear.com and and the Exodus trail camera. So huge shout out to those people, uh, those brands who support this. Without them, this doesn't happen. So huge shout out. Please go take a look at those brands. And other than that, man, let's get into a really good podcast. I hope you guys enjoy. Three two one all right on the podcast with me today mr carson shockey how we doing man pretty good dan thanks for having me yeah absolutely so when when you reached out to me um i was i got a little excited because i spent a lot of time i never went to school at the university of northern iowa which was probably a good thing to be honest with you mm-hmm. yep. um but i spent a lot of time in iowa city and uh you're the the uh, message you sent me at through uh, through Instagram was was pretty cool. So here we sure. are. We're going to be talking, um, Carson. Before we unload 
on this episode, but just about everything. This is a BS session. This is a shoot from the hip session. Let's talk about where you live and what do you do for a living? Yes. Yeah, so uh, I live in Omaha, Nebraska now. I was born in Waterloo, Iowa. Uh, moved from there when I was pretty young. Um, I was recruited to play golf at the University of Iowa. Uh, ended up going there. And uh, after college, uh, I turned pro. So I'm a professional golfer now. Um, in the winters, I usually go down to Scottsdale and play tournaments down there. And then uh, when it starts to get warm again, I come back home to the Midwest and it's just an easier place to travel out of um, here in Omaha. So I bounce around, play tournaments kind of all over and then um, basically gearing up for there's a Q school at the beginning of the year. It's a qualifying school for certain tours for the uh, Canada tour. And then the end of the year is a Q school for the Corn Ferry tour, which is basically the tour underneath the PGA tour. But um, yeah, so right now I'm going to be have a pretty busy uh, summer of golf tournaments and kind of the grind. So it's I, what I love to do. And Yeah. I tell you, I, I was looking at, um, you know, comparing all the sports the other day about sure. what what has the least impact, what professional sport has the least impact on the human body. And I, mm-hmm. was, and I don't know, maybe you can attest to this. Um, golf have you had any major injuries from golfing i haven't but i know of people that have i mean the back you know just the body isn't supposed to twist like this at the torque you you know that uh guys at my level put on their you know put on their body but um i mean just you can get just little just tedious injuries that can last a really long time in the fingers and the wrist and stuff like that yeah. But no, I've, I've knock on wood. Luckily I haven't had any major ones, but, um, and golf is just the littlest little thing can, uh, kind of take you out of the game for a little while. So it's kind of interesting like that. Yeah. Like, uh, I don't know. I just feel like a, a defensive or offensive lineman who just like sure. the impact every oh, yeah. single, uh, play oh, yeah. or even a basketball player, like jumping around and pivoting on their knees and stuff that mm-hmm. would catch up. Yeah. Like I wasn't, yep. I wasn't even close to a college athlete and I still got messed up knees. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. No, it's, and that's why it's a sport that you can just play for the longest of time. And that's why it's, I think just the greatest sport is because there's just so many different ways of doing it, whether you play it professionally, whether you just play it with friends or, it's a great sport for business. Like there are so many business deals that have gone on on the golf course. It's incredible. So that's why it's so great. Yeah. I, I had a little, you know, when I scheduled this podcast with you, I had this little flutter, uh, having like a sportsman's, uh, a sportsman's empire golf outing and, Mm -hmm. and, or a nine finger chronicles invitational and just like, just (laughs) all these guys who are really good at bow hunting coming and compete competing at something that they're probably not very good at at all yeah and uh, exactly. i think that would be i think that would be really fun that would be so fun as yeah. long as i get the invite and yeah. then i can get a trophy hopefully. well you're handy you, you would have to like <laughs> you're it, gonna it, handicap me well no i'd have to do something like me versus <laughs> you at golf you'd have to be like 200 yards further back than all me right. and you'd That's probably fine. still win to be honest <laughs> so i love it uh let me ask you this about golf Yes. What, like, high school, college, and then obviously yep. professional. Um, 
how good of a golfer do you have to be to play on a high school team? Well, it depends on what kind of high, like if you're on a team that's trying to win state, um, it, t- it only takes two kids that can break, you know, uh, break par, you know, you know it, it, a high school team is a, a team of five guys. So not all the guys on that high school varsity team have to be amazing. You know, a yeah. couple of the kids are going to shoot par better. A couple of the kids are going to shoot 75 or 80 and right around there. And, um, then the next level, if you want to, you know, there's so many different levels. There's, you know, the JUCO colleges and then there's D2 and then there's D1 and then there's Big Ten D1 where, you know, where I went. So there's just so many different levels. But, um, for example, uh, like I don't want to toot my own horn or anything like that, but uh, there were 12 tournaments my senior year of uh, high school. I won 11 of the 12. And then I went to – got recruited to the University of Iowa, went to Iowa and – I thought I was, you know, this hot stuff because I just won all these golf tournaments and I got to Iowa and I got my butt just stomped. I mean, I had I had no business. I thought I was, you know, I thought I was going to go in there and play right away. And it's just a different level of golf, the, you know, the uh, higher up in the chain that you get. So, yeah, um, yeah it's pretty. What's the, it's pretty, so, so Big Ten, Big Ten golf is the, yeah. is the cat's pajamas for uh, collegiate golf. You know, Big Ten, uh, the SEC is really good too tech you know we've got freaking alabama and auburn and those guys that can play year round but that you know and that kind of maybe impacts us at iowa but illinois is a top five school in golf every single year in in the country so it's it's not limited just because we get snow or something like that we have unbelievable facilities and the big 10 has enough money to help us out yeah absolutely all right so then you make this jump from like what's bigger the jump from high, you know you being the shit in high school to get sure. your butt kicked uh you know uh your freshman year at uh, mm-hmm. Iowa what is a bigger jump high school to college or college to pro you know if you want to go from college to the top top level of pro i'd say that's a bigger jump i think that it's also gra- it's such a gradual thing it's not just very rarely do you get a kid that's coming out of college and he's just jumps onto the PGA tour and is a stud right away. You know, most of the time you hear these guys that it took three or four years just to them get accustomed to the lifestyle to, it was the same way from high school to college. I mean, I got to college and now I'm in a dorm by myself. I don't have my parents. I have to go practice by myself. I have classes. I have to do my own laundry, you know, whatever, all this stuff. And you got to get accustomed to that stuff before even, going out to the golf course and worrying about all that stuff. So, yeah. and it's the same way from college to pro too. So there's stuff that people don't think about, but yeah. I would say for sure, college, college to professional. So, so, you know, just like any, you know, there's, there's a ton of D one schools out there and, sure. and then there's only so many spots on a PGA tour slot. Right. Yeah. And so yep. that just keeps funneling down and funneling down so that the competition has to get greater and greater for yep. however many, how far would you say, uh, you are from competing on a, a big stage? I don't know. And the only reason I'm saying the, the big stage yep. is cause it's the only one I know, like the masters or the, yeah, yeah, or the any PGA. cups like that. So here's a great way to explain it to you. So last year, yesterday, I had a golf tournament. It was U.S. Open local qualifying. It was to get to sectionals of the U.S. Open. And then if I get through that, I go to the U.S. Open. Last year, I got through locals. I got 
I won my sectional in uh, Springfield, Ohio. So I played in the U.S. Open last year. Okay. So that was my first major championship. That was unbelievable. I was next to all – Tiger wasn't there, but I was next to all the guys that you see on TV. So uh, when I get asked this all the time, you know, how far away are you from this and this? And it's it's hard to explain to people, but it's not far off at all. It's so different from so many sports. One shot in a four-day tournament, one shot could be the difference between – you know, making a cut, not making a cut, keeping your PGA Tour card for the next year and not keeping your PGA Tour card. And it's just, it's so, that's why it's such a unique sport is it's, yeah. I'm not that far off. And a lot of kids like me um, aren't that far off. It's just, you got to, you know, become more consistent and uh, just kind of do the stuff and just keep getting a little bit better every day. Yeah. I'll tell you this, man. I enjoy playing golf. Am I good at it? No. But I'll be honest, it's, yeah. I think it's really fun to play. For sure. So and I, think, I, I think that probably the reason is because you like bow hunting. And I, like, I explain this to people that like hunting all the time and also like golf. There are so many things in golf that translate to bow hunting and hunting in general, but bow hunting as well. And uh, I actually see that a lot. A lot of people that bow hunt that I've met or and introduced to or something like that and i tell them that i play golf they always are like i really enjoy golf too and i think it's because they translate and parallel each other you know so well yeah all right so a uh, couple non-hunting related questions and we'll get into sure. it so For you, sure. you went to the university of iowa yep you, you know where the ped mall's at right oh yeah oh yeah so what was your watering hole of choice in college uh, are you saying my bar of choice? Yeah, your bar, your watering hole. Your, <laughs> your, yeah. Uh, you know, I bounced around to a few, you know, uh, Summit is okay. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, that's kind of a, the, the union used to, I mean, there's so, there's a couple different ones that I bounced. Around. I, I actually like brothers. I think the best. Yeah. It's kind of a, they have some wings there too. Every now and then they have unbelievable wings. And you can kind of drink, they have some good beer and stuff like that. So, yeah. So I, I'm guessing I'm a little bit older than you. So brothers, yeah. brothers was there when all my buddies were at Iowa. Um, sure. I think summit was there after I graduated, but still okay. like I was still old enough to go to the downtown bars without being creepy. You know what I yeah, mean? Like oh, if yeah. I went, if I went to a college bar now, I would probably be asked to leave. <laughs> um, yeah. The union was still there. I don't think the union's yeah. there anymore. Um, I don't think so either. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I, I don't know, man. That's a fun place. It's weird. It's, it's way different, yeah. but uh, now than it was back then. But, uh, um, for I, sure. I don't know. Oh, I, 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 I have a lot of memories and a lot of not memories yeah. of downtown oh, Iowa yeah. city. <laughs> Me, yeah. <laughs> I, I wouldn't say that I have a lot of not memories, but there are a few nights that are a little shaky and I'm not sure I got back to my <laughs> <laughs> and before we ruin your reputation on this podcast and, and uh, golf sponsors pass you by, we'll just call it quits and we'll start talking about deer. All right, let's do it. All right. Um, so how about this? Um, while you're on this, this uh, in the middle of Iowa City is this golf sure. course. It, uh, Fink Bind Golf Course is the name of it. And yep. uh, it's in the middle of the city. Like you look all the way around it and there's houses and uh, commercial 
buildings and the university is on one side and housing developments are on the other. But you shared a couple pictures with me. Um, talk to us a little bit about the deer in the area. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. Um, even before, you know, when I grew up, even when I was a young really young kid my grandpa put a, a bow in my hand so i kind of caught the bug from when i was just really really little you know i was chasing blackbirds and you know rabbits all around the backyard and dressing up in camouflage and stuff like that so when i got to college um and i realized that i every now and then would see deer out on the golf course running around and stuff like that i mean most of the kids on the golf team they don't even know what bow hunting is and stuff like that but i'm I see a doe run across the, you know, 15th fairway or something. I'm freaking out a little bit. And uh, there was one moment when I realized what was going on because uh, it might have been early, early October or something. We were just playing the practice round. And on one of the holes out there, I was walking along the left side and there's some woods over to the left. And I heard a tree shaking. And I look over to the left and I just an absolute giant buck popped his head out and saw me and was just so surprised. I was standing there looking at him and he turned around and left. And I'm like, wow, there are some I'm, I'm sure of it. There's some big bucks in there. And from that moment on, I I mean, golf was my main focus, right? Like I'm a golfer and that's my job right now and stuff like that. But when I get time to relax and my other hobby that kind of takes me away from golf, it's it's hunting and uh, the outdoors and stuff like that. So uh, when I'd go practice and after practice, once everyone left, I would go out on the golf course with, you know, one club, one ball, just so that I could hit hit the ball around, still practice, but uh, kind of, you know, see the deer and see how they would act and just learn more about deer. And uh, yeah, I kind of realized that there were some big bucks in there that probably a lot of people inside Iowa City uh, hadn't seen. They are yeah. really good at hiding away in, in these little pockets and stuff. And I kind of learned about that. Yeah. And a, a lot of cities, right. Uh, throughout the United States have these deer populations in an in sure. urban setting that are that because they're not hunted, I mean, seek one, yeah. they, their whole, the only, the, the whole reason these guys are popular is because they found a way to hunt deer in these urban settings that were not hunted and it allowed them to get big right so that's yeah that's exactly right right so so um you know which is cool some of the places you can hunt them i know like in uh, iowa city you have to get a permit to hunt inside sure. the city limits but i don't think on the golf course you can actually hunt them correct yeah i you know what i wish while i was in school i did a little bit more research and asked around and stuff like that I am not sure about the laws and stuff like that, what, what they are. Yeah. All right. So, um, so any other courses that you've played in the country where, cause you've been around a lot of different courses now, you know, through sure. college and high school and, um, you know, even pro now, are there mm -hmm. any other courses in the country that stand out to you where, dude, there, there's a really good deer population, maybe even some big bucks on this course. You know, I wouldn't say, well, I spent the, where I practiced and stuff was Finkbine. So I spent the majority of my time at Finkbine, but you know, every now and then you'd get, you'd run across, you know, across a golf course and see a deer or something like that, but never the bucks that I saw at Finkbine. But at the same time, I, you, I wouldn't see the bucks in the day, you know, like 
they knew what was going on just like the big bucks do out in the in the wild or like you know in the country and stuff like that i would see does during the day they'd be walking along the woods and they'd be okay with humans and stuff like that but when i would tell people like yeah i saw like three big bucks last night like right before it got absolutely pitch black they wouldn't believe me but no one else is out on the golf course right before it gets dark you know like that so yeah um yeah i've seen every now and then you you know you get run across a golf course and see a deer run across or hear some turkeys gobble or something like that but not to the extent that i see in iowa city yeah for sure yeah that's crazy um and so what about any other animals other than like have you played in florida and seen an alligator like they I've oh seen yeah on espn and things like that oh yeah all over florida golf courses there's some uh, giant alligators we had big 10 match play was uh kind of i think february and we'd go down to florida um the golf course was called the conservatory and there was just some i mean i there are a couple times where there's 10 foot gators out there uh laying across the ponds you know it's pretty cool do yeah you, just giant things do you guys get drops like if you hit it too close to an alligator or do you have to play the ball as it lies no, that's a free drop. They, they, the rule. You can call over a rules official, and he'll kind of like drive his cart and try to scare it off. But if the thing doesn't, doesn't budge, and you think that your life is in danger, I think that's how the rule is written. If your life is in danger, then you can get a drop or whatever. So, Crazy. I've never had to take in a drop from an alligator, but um, yeah, they can sneak up on you pretty fast. They, they camouflage kind of into the side of the banks pretty easy. So, yeah. If you're not paying attention, or maybe you yeah. had a, a six pack or something, and you're not paying attention, it's just like <laughs> things get a little blurry. The new, what, we got some into grass. some Happy Gilmore action going yeah, on, yeah. and somebody loses a hand. <laughs> That's right. Um, so let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit about um, the similarities, right? You mentioned sure. you mentioned a, a while ago that there are some similarities between golf and and um, in bow hunting or maybe archery. Yep. And I've talked to, I had another professional golfer on this podcast a while ago and, uh, he, he, he gave his input on that, but I want to hear yours. Uh, I think the main thing that I would say is once you get, you know, to a certain level in bow hunting and in golfing, um, I get this question a lot, you know, what, how, how much of golf is mental? And I think it is much more mental than people give it credit for. Yeah. And I would say it's 80, you know, once you get to a certain level, maybe the level I'm at or even in college, it becomes more and more mental. And I think it's the same way with bow hunting. I think once you learn, you know, the basics of shooting the bow and you can hit the target from 10, 20, 30 yards and uh, you kind of figure out the tactics and start learning about that stuff and figuring out what your game plan is and what your way of hunting is. Everyone's going to have a little bit different way of hunting, just like. Um, everyone's going to, you know, at a, if you're going to play in the college level or high school or professional level in golf, everyone has a different way of doing it. You know, not everyone is going to be the bomber, you know, the guy that hits it over all the bunkers. Some people are going to hit it a little shorter, but be better putters and stuff. There's just so many different ways to go about it. And you can have success doing it that way. And it's the same way with bow hunting. Like you don't just have to be the guy that um, climbs up in the stand and sits the same stand every single day. You could be the guy that is mobile and goes around and have success that way. But the guy that sits in the same stand, if he has success doing that, he can, he can do it and kill a big buck every single year, you know? So it's, uh, it, it's so similar in that way. And then, 
at the same time, just the you have to have the mental strength to be able to push through those times when you don't want to get up at four o'clock in the morning or you want to get up and go hunt and you in the back of your mind, you're telling yourself, you know, maybe today just isn't the right wind and I'm going to do more harm than good and take some mental strength to just sit at home and not do anything. You know, sometimes it's harder just to not do anything and wait for the day to strike. So yeah, there's just that, that's just some of the similarities for sure. What about strategy, like golf strategy? If, you know, I put you on a course, any course sure. versus, you know, and, and how you attack the game on different courses versus maybe different properties attacking deer. No, there's no doubt about it. Every course you just have to pick it apart and you have a game plan before you go into every single round, depending on that day's wind, the weather, uh, pin locations, they're going to change it up. You know, golf is the only sport where like the obstacles is the, your environment. Every, you know, some golf courses have different grass. You have different wind depending on different days, the weather, you have to focus on all these different things. And it's the same way with bow hunting, depending on which state you're in, you're going to have different types of terrain. You're going to have uh, different winds. It might be raining. It might be this, you just have to change up your tactic and be just as flexible and as open to change as you possibly can be to have, you know, the amount of success that you want to have. Dude, that is excellent. That is like a t-shirt. What you said, the environment is the obstacle. And I, yep. I, I think people, to be honest with you, when it comes to deer hunting strategy or, or going after, let's just say, cause everybody wants to go shoot a, a mature buck. Sure. They don't, they don't look at, they look at the deer being the opponent. But mm -hmm. really, in a way, yes, but it's the terrain and the environment that's going to mess you up if you don't, like, go into the details of the terrain, the wind, the environment, the ecosystem, whatever, right? That's exactly right, yeah. Man, that's awesome. Uh, and uh, so write that down. You should get credit for that. Put it on a T-shirt. And yeah, there you go. You want 20% of those. <laughs> no, dude, I'll give it to y'all for free. Just, <laughs> you have, right, you so have to so promise to at least get me a t-shirt. All right. <laughs> All right. So, um, so any other similarities, whether it's, it's archery or, or hunting related between golf, you and, know, and the only hunting? one that I, the only one that I've thought of, and it might be such a little thing, but, uh, growing up, um, with a bow in my hand, I've always been a pretty good shot with my bow. And I've, I've listened to people talk about, you know, having struggles with, uh, the moment of truth when that big buck comes in, you know, and, uh, you kind of get buck fever and stuff like that. But, um, knock on wood, that's not something that I've ever, uh, you know, I haven't shot a ton of bucks, you know, yet and anything like that, but I've shot a couple pretty nice bucks. And, uh, when that mo moment of truth comes in, I, you, for some weird reason, I always in my head, it pops into shots that I've had in golf where I felt the pressure and I just always go back to the process and in golf, my before each shot, and this is something that I've practiced and I don't even think about it during tournaments or when I'm playing anymore, but it's just something I've drilled into my practice is my pre-shot routine. And it is so natural to me now. And as a young kid growing up, that's something that my grandpa taught me is, uh, pre-shot routine is um it's something you practice when you're out there shooting your bow and stuff but when the moment of truth comes in you're not even thinking about it it just happens yeah. and um you know and that doesn't mean that i haven't hit a deer and 
you know, there are other factors of a deer dropping and stuff like that, that you can't control. And just like in golf, there are things that you can't control. Once you hit that shot, you can hit a perfect shot and one time it go to a foot and the other time you catch a gust and it go into the front bunker. That's stuff that you can't control and you can't get mad over that. But uh, the only thing you can control is uh, going through your pre-shot routine or your, you know, routine and uh doing the stuff that you can control and just making a good shot and i i think that's uh main reason why i've always felt comfortable with the bow in my hand uh in the moment of truth yeah when you when you can compare that pressure to other scenarios in life it probably helps without a doubt without a doubt is and when you can compare it to other times you've had success that's even better it's like I've always thought is like if someone the first time bow hunter went out in their first shot, they don't make a good shot or something like that, or they got buck fever, which is totally, I can understand that because I mean, all of us have had it at some point, but um, yeah, when you can think back to times where you just put that arrow double along that deer and he goes down within 30 yards, that's just the more times you can do that and the more times you can ingrain that in your head, just the better off you're going to be in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So let me ask you this. Where, what's the, the biggest pressure scenario? Uh, big deer coming in at you and, uh, you know, you got to draw and you got to go through that process that you just mentioned. Or you're, you're on the tee box or you're on the, on the green for uh, maybe a, a swing or a, a shot that has the tournament on the line. Well, it kind of depends on which tournament it is, because if it's the Masters, you're going to win about $2.5 million. <laughs> and... <laughs> so, but what so about that scenarios that different. you've been in? What about scenarios uh, you've been in? You know, just because golf is my, you know, kind of my thing and uh, it's my job and stuff like that, there have been some shots where um, I've really, you know, felt the pressure and stuff like that. But And when you think about it, I mean, it's just golf and it's just bow hunting, you know. We're out there to enjoy it and have fun and um, all this stuff. But, you know, I always explain this to people. It is literally the same feeling. I I don't care what anyone says. I try to, like, it's hard to explain to somebody the moment of truth when that big buck comes in that you've been, you've seen before or something. He's right there at 10 yards and uh, you know you're going to get a shot at him. It's hard to explain that to someone that's never, you know, been in that scenario. And it's the same way for golf. It's someone that's never been in that scenario. But, yeah. Um, someone that has been in that scenario, bow hunting, I can explain, even though you've never been in the scenario in a golf, on a golf course in a golf tournament, that means so much to you. It's literally that exact same feeling. It feels like time is like slowed down to the max. And it's like, it feels like something is going on and you're just trying to think of all that process and just making sure everything is going right and just making sure it's going to be perfect. And then everything happens and you just want to just keep getting better at that moment of truth and you just look forward to the next time that you're going to have that feeling yeah okay so um it's hard because we don't we don't ever hunt with groups of people in like a tournament setting or a golf golf setting um but there are guys out there like i know a couple who they they say they don't and they have the experience and i guess i would say the wall to to back up their statements sure. where in the moment of truth, they are locked in and they're like automatic, right? They're like, sure. they're like yeah. the Tom Brady of yeah. bow hunting, right? Have, <laughs> yeah. have, 
have you ever golfed with anybody that they're just rock solid and you know they're they're not gonna waver in the stress i mean i i've golfed with several guys that are on the pga tour and the the guys on the pga tour those are those guys yeah the the guys that uh when you know shit's hitting the fan and it feels like everything is on your shoulders and stuff for some reason they're able to slow everything down get back into the process and just clear everything out of their head and focus on what they've been practicing on what the shot is in front of them and execute and that's all it is and they just simplify the whole process yeah so you know there's a lot of professional athletes out there college guys uh, whatever who they make their money or their priority in life is their sport because ultimately that's what they're getting paid to go to school for or they're getting their college paid for their their uh, um uh, scholarships and then ultimately that translates into professional and now they're getting paid to do this whether it's sponsors or from a team but there's a lot of these guys out here who are also avid outdoorsmen so and 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 that takes in some way shape or form a back seat to the sport how do you mm-hmm. how do you do both what takes priority how do you enjoy being in an outdoorsman but also putting golf first yeah it's definitely tough you know um i would say you know golf is first and foremost for me because it's uh, my job now it's my job even in college it was number one that's why i went to college that's what i was you know, getting a scholarship for. And I had teammates that relied on me to practice as hard as I could and uh, give it my best when tournament time, you know, came. So, um, but at the same time, I think that for me to have been at my best, I needed times where I needed to get away from golf and I needed to just take a mental break and I needed to just get my mind off of it and Uh, My coach at the University of Iowa, he hunted and he fished a little bit. So when I would tell him, hey, coach, like uh, we're in off season right now. It's freaking October 26th or it's November 15th. Uh, It's it's the rut. Like I need to get up to the cabin for two days and just kind of get away from everything. And he would be the first guy to say, stay up there as many days as you can and uh, kill a buck and bring us back some deer jerky (laughs) or something, you know. So right. Right. uh, People that golf, uh, especially in college and on the pro level, they understand that there there is a time and a place to um, just you know relax and just get your mind off everything and revamp and come back and you can you know you can practice even harder. I mean, if you go full out at it every single day, you're going to burn yourself out. I've seen it with kids every single day. All they have is golf and they put everything into it and by the time they're done with college they don't even want to see a golf course yeah and i never wanted that to happen and i was lucky like i'm lucky to have found bow hunting and my grandpa got me into bow hunting and i got bit by the bug i'm able to kind of complement and like weigh those two things uh with each other and um they just complement each other so well it's nice that's awesome, man. It's 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 good that you you're able to do both, right? Like yeah. some of these NFL guys, um, or even if you're on a good team in a major league baseball team, definitely basketball. Sure. Uh, like you're you're probably gonna miss the rut, right? Yeah. Unless you go hunt Alabama or some southern For state sure. like that. But uh, 
But I guess if you want to look at it the other way, is like, I, and we talked about this, the NFL, the basketball, the, the Major League Baseball, I would feel like those have a shorter lifespan than a pro golfer sure. does. Like a, a pro yeah. golfer, man, if you keep your body right, you could do 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so. Uh, I, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Uh, well, yeah, I was going to say, you know, if when I get on the PGA Tour someday, that's going to be more of a full schedule. And I, I'm there might be a time when I'm full full time on the PGA Tour and I might have less time to be bow hunting and I might have to miss the rut and stuff like that. But um, if it's something that you, you know, if, if bow hunting is something that you love, you can always find, you know, you can always find time for it. I mean, guys take a week off. There are guys that have full status on the PGA Tour that take a week off or you can't play in every single tournament. And if you do, you're going to get burnt out. So you can find time, you know, and um, there, there are other ways to, you know, other things in the outdoors that you can do. But I love bow hunting, so I'm going to find time to go, uh, whether it be a week or if I have time for, um, you know, three weeks or something like that. I'm going to I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to go sit in the tree stand for sure. Yeah. <laughs> for some reason i just thought of you all of a sudden getting like really good to the pga level where you start winning all these major <laughs> tournaments yeah. and then you become a hero right to the university of iowa you're alumni you go back and you're celebrated like hey you are such sure. a good golfer and then you use your clout to get on Finkbine and hunt those deer that you always wanted oh to oh my gosh wouldn't that be something <laughs> and you're the only guy who can hunt it that would be sweet man <laughs> yeah i i you know what? No, I don't know if any of the su- – I hope none of the superintendents or any of those guys out there at the golf course are listening to this because I don't know. Like, I didn't tell them I was hanging trail cameras and stuff like that, and I was hiding it around in there and stuff. So I think they'd be totally cool with it, and they, yeah. they love the deer too and stuff like that. But um, it's it was so crazy. I mean, there were, I remember one night I went out there, and I was sitting in the woods. It was getting so dark, and I – I, I would try anything. I, w- I mean, I still was learning. I mean, I still am learning. I'm still super young, but I was just trying everything to see what was going to work. I was spraying like dough estrus and all of a sudden here, two bucks come out of the woods, just looking around and I'm sitting there hiding in the woods up in a tree or something. And there's, <laughs> you know, it's just the superintendents are driving their golf carts by me and they don't even realize there's two bucks standing there looking at them or something like that. It's, kind of funny just that i was you know i'm kind of weird like that that i was just kind of i'm an individual person so i i love that stuff i just be i just wanted to learn all about anything that i could out there so well in in that in in, uh, in that environment it's almost like uh it's contained right yeah you're the only person doing that so you're gonna see what like i don't know you're gonna see if the experiment that you were doing really worked or not and so that's exactly what i had in my mind yeah Yeah. and i i knew it might be a little different when you get to other other places you know up in you know the yellow river up where my cabin is or up where our family's cabin is and stuff like that but uh, at the same time the more time you can spend in the woods and just just you know see how deer are reacting to certain things and um just how they the way they walk and and how a buck comes out of the woods and if there's a doe standing here how he reacts or stuff like that the more i felt like the more i could see that stuff the more i could learn and maybe sometime in the future i might run into that situation when i'm bow hunting and it might help me out to kill a buck so that's just the way i kind of thought about it yeah 
I want to talk, uh, change the topic just a hair, and I want to talk sure. about, I guess, I guess we can call it advocacy uh, mm-hmm. for, for hunting. Um, my question to you is, you know, you are, you love to hunt and fish and out you you're a golfer but you're also an outdoorsman have you ever had an opportunity to you know while you're on tour or you go to any type of golfing events where Mm -hmm. hunting may come up and someone because i've i've been in a scenario like this where someone makes a comment about hunting and it's totally false and you're you're there and you're like well actually right um so in the golf world is like I, maybe you're the overlap, but sure. have you ever had an opportunity to talk and shine a more positive light on hunting? You know, Dan, I, I can't think of any like specific conversations, but I am sure it's happened. You know, like in, in college, we traveled so many you know different places. We'd be in Florida one week and we'd be in California the next. So I'd be playing with uh, kids from totally different backgrounds than me that grew up totally different than me. And I would not be surprised one bit. And I, I'm the kid that we'd get to the golf course in California. Um, Pebble beach, for example, I was at Pebble beach one time and there were black tailed deer right along the golf course. And I thought that was, I mean, I'm staring at them and I don't even want to go on to the next pole because there's two black, you know, black tailed bucks and five does standing there. And the conversation comes up and, um, I'm sure that there have been conversations that I've had with people and um, stuff like that. Uh, I've, I'm the kind of guy that's like, dude, like if you've never been hunting before, you need to you need to get out there and just experience the outdoors and um, all that stuff. So that's kind of how that's kind of how I am in general. But um, I'm sure that I can't think of anything specifically, but I'm sure that there have been for sure. Yeah. Do you have any Do you have any hunting sponsors? I don't. No. Uh-uh. You need I, it's. I need to get one. You're yeah. absolutely right. You do. So I'm going to, I'll put this out here. If you are a company that wants to sponsor a golfer who is an avid outdoorsman and could help actually, uh, spread positive, spread a positive message and a positive light on hunting. You're the man, Carson, for that job. I am the man for that. Right. Thank you, Dan. I yeah. appreciate that. There you go. That's where I'll take my 20% cut. i'll be your agent all right right um no um so so talk to us a little bit about the the year like your year and and how you actually work bow hunting into it yeah so uh there are kind of some times um that are a little if you're not on a regular schedule on the tour on a specific tour then you're just kind of bouncing around per tournament uh, that specific states set up um, and going to play those where you can win, you know, a good amount of money in some of these golf tournaments. Um, there's an Iowa swing here in the middle of the summer. There's like Waterloo Open. That's where I was born. That's a pretty solid professional golf tournament. Cedar Rapids Open, Iowa Open. So that's three weeks in a row. And then there's kind of like that in different states. So if you want to get a full schedule together, if you're not on a tour, you can easily do that. But at the end of the summer going and luckily for me, uh, it's right around, you know, that October, early November time. It's kind of like a deader time where there might not be as many golf tournaments. So 
Um, and, and it's kind of that progression from the summer tournaments going into some of the winter tournaments and winter tours that are starting to get get going there. So um, that's when maybe I can find a few days to you know jump in the tree stand and uh, try to kill myself a buck. And, and same way with from winter into the summer, there's a little couple, and that was the past maybe two weeks here where I was able to, and I get a non-resident turkey license to go up to the cabin and shoot a turkey, which I was able to kill one this year. And uh, it's nice, you know, every every now and then, as long as there's no tournaments or anything like that going on, and I can get up uh, a couple days up to the cabin or get into a tree stand, I'll always do that. Heck yeah, man. It's, yeah, again, you, like, it's your passion too. Right. Yeah, so you, sure. you're definitely going to make time for that. Uh, and so yeah. um, for someone who has your schedule, right. And who's all over the country and, and sure. has a main focus on, you know, golfing makes you money. Mm-hmm. It, it just makes me want to say to the people who are making up excuses why they don't hunt or why they don't, they didn't get an opportunity to hunt. Yeah. It's because you didn't want to, right. If you wanted yeah, to, right. you would make the, you would make the time for it. And it sounds like uh, that's what you're doing, man. Yeah, that's exactly right. And even on top of that, like they, you know, I grew up hunting at my cabin and, you know, we had set tree stands and uh, that's kind of how my grandpa taught, you know, kind of taught me. And that's how my grandpa hunted. You know, we had three tree stands in the same spot. And then once I graduated from the University of Iowa, I'm not able to get a, you know, Iowa tag every single year. And now I kind of had to listen to podcasts, listen to your podcast and other podcasts and kind of teach myself how i'm going to go out onto public land and it's scary you know it's it you can you can think of some excuses why i don't want to go out there by myself if you don't have anyone else you know anyone else to help you out um like on a hands-on level and uh it's it's sometimes a little bit scary but uh it's a big enough passion of mine where i'm like i you know for screw it like i'm gonna go do it i don't care if there's someone here with me or not i'm gonna figure it out and i'm probably gonna fail for the first two five i don't even know how many years and it doesn't matter how many years i failed because i love this and i'm gonna go just go out in the woods and be in the woods as much as i possibly can just learn as much about it as i can and i'm just gonna have a good time doing it so yeah you're exactly right if you have a big enough passion you can find time and you can just and don't be like just go do it like you're gonna enjoy it and you're gonna if you don't do it you're gonna regret it in the future so uh that's that's why i did it and i'm glad i did yeah so on this podcast and, and, uh, you know, interviewing all these people, man, I, I think I'm coming up on 700 episodes here, but sure. where are you in your personal hunting career? Like what year? No, what, where, where are you as far as, you know, like some guys, they just want to fill the freezer. Some guys want to go after sure. big bucks. Some guys just want to go out and have fun. Like, yeah. Like, where are you in all the mix? You know, this is so interesting. This is something that I think about uh, all the time. And it's kind of been a weird progression for me just because of how lucky and how I was taught by my grandpa. And it just worked out perfectly. And I'm the kind of guy that, you know, I, I don't care. If you're in the tree stand and you see a deer and it's legal and you are shaken and you get that feeling and you want to shoot it you should shoot it. Absolutely. 100%. And, uh, the first deer that I shot, I was with my grandpa and, um, a nice little, I'm looking at the antlers right here. He's just a kind of a little 10 pointer, just a solid little buck. And, um, 
I was shaking like a leaf and my grandpa was talking me through everything and I double lunged him and he ran away and um, got my first buck. And ever since then, I kind of just had this thing in my head that like, I'm just going to, I just want to shoot a bigger, you know, I just want to shoot something bigger. I just want to keep getting better. Even if like, I don't care. I tell this to people all the time. I, and it might not be true, but a little part of it is true. Like I could seriously go every single year. And if I have to pass up bucks and not shoot a buck, I'll do it because that's how much I love hunting. And that's how much I love just the pro like the progress yeah. and the, you know, just the like competition of going out there and learning and getting better and stuff. Um, I, I know that's probably not going to happen. You know, if you go out there and you hunt enough, you're going to get a shot at, you know, bucks and stuff like that. But um, that, that's where I am. I, I, I want, I like meat and stuff, but I want to shoot big mature deer now. And, yeah. um, that's why I'm listening to podcasts and that's why I'm talking to you. And I just want to, I want to be a sponge and I want to learn as much as I can, just like I do with golf. And I want to do that with hunting too. And, um, there's just, I have so much to learn about everything and I'm just trying to get, you know, a little bit better at it. Awesome. So what are your goals in the next, I don't know let's just say this upcoming year, five years, 10 sure. years, like any, any goals that you've set for yourself? You know, uh, a couple of years ago was my first year on public land in here in Nebraska, in, in Nebraska. Um, I was using a lone, a lone wolf climber that my grandpa got had, used to have. And I was using it and I'm hauling that thing around the woods. And, uh, that was just so exciting for me. And, uh, you know, it was the first time I kind of did it by myself. I'm picking out the trees. I'm trying to look for sign. And um, I was I saw some bucks run through this little area. So I kind of sat up there and uh, ended up having a buck come through that same area. And I got a shot at him. So that was incredible. And now um, a couple of years down the line, you know, I'm just trying to still get a little bit better at that. Um, I don't specific goals. You know, I I want to shoot a you know, a solid buck and I on public land and that can mean something, you know, different for everybody. But, um, you know, I'm not the guy that's going to sit here and say like, you know, I want to shoot a 200 inch buck or a 170 inch buck or a 150. I mean, I'm in Nebraska. It's a little different than, you know, Southern, you know, Iowa or something like that, where I grew up, you know, where in high school or I mean, in college I was getting, I, I saw bucks like that sometimes when I was in the stand during the rut. So uh, you got to have to change your goals a little bit. And um, it's kind of hard when you go from a state where you see bigger bucks um, every now, you know, when you're in the stand and then you come to a state where there might generally not be as many big bucks. But I know they're still out there. I, you know, they are yeah. out here somewhere. And I want to be the guy that goes out and kind of does it and learns more about it and, you know, get a shot at one of those things. So. Um, I, my goal, I, I don't really have a goal to like shoot this kind of buck or something like that. My goals for the next two, five years is I just want to learn as much as I can about it. And then there'll be a time when I can say, okay, I'm, I'm starting to get it. And I'm starting to learn, like starting to read sign like I should, and I'm starting to do these things like I should. And that's when I'll kind of focus on, on, um, a certain, maybe eight, you know, like point, point wise, you know, no right. score. Right. Cool, man. Well, um, hey, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, uh, to hop on and chat with us. And, and let me just say good luck on the course, man, and good luck in the tree stand. Thanks, Dan. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, too, for having me on. Um, I know I sent you that message kind of 
randomly on Instagram, but it was really cool of you to uh, respond super quickly and have me on here. It's been uh, it's been a lot of fun. Oh, dude, I love it. I just love talking to anybody about the outdoors, uh, and that uh, that I can say about my job is what never gets old. That's exactly right. There's nothing better. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, another episode in the books. Huge shout out to Carson for taking time out of his day. Man, I tell you what, let's let's get this guy on the PGA Tour. Let's send a whole bunch of good vibes his way, and uh, hopefully this guy makes it, and uh, he starts to compete at with the big dogs, and he's successful with the big dogs. So Carson, I'm sending tons of good vibes your way, not only on the course, but in the woods as well. So man, good luck, brother. Other than that, man, Huge shout out to Tethered Wasp, Excalibur, Hunt Stand, Vortex, Exodus, and all the other uh, network partners, man. You know, life is short. Live it. Live it hard. Live it with the ones you love. Good vibes in, good vibes out, and we'll talk to you next time.